We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. So good to be with you guys this morning. As we are winding down, guess what? The end is here. <laughs> we have made it through this message series, Prosperous Soul, and we are on the last week. And um, don't mistake the last for the least. I, uh, I think these last two messages really encapsulate a lot of what we struggle with in our soul. And um, in, in John, Third uh, John, chapter two, verse one, John, in greeting one of the elders in his church, he said this important thing. He said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, not some things, not in some things in our lives, but all things that you be in good health, just as your soul prospers. And so through these last eight weeks, we've been going through what it means to have and live in a prosperous soul. And really the whole premise is that the, the stronger we become spiritually, the stronger and the more we prosper in our soul. And so, um, you know, in week one, we talked about the hole in our soul and how that for many of us, we have these gaps in our spiritual life that if we are not careful, we'll try to fill them with things in the world that were never meant to fulfill us. And so we have this emptiness or this void, if you will, in our soul. The next week we talked about how we can break the power of the past and be healed in our soul from some of the wounds that many of us have experienced in our soul. And then we talked about how that God uses pain for a purpose. And if we will see pain through the lens of how God sees it and through the lens of faith in the Holy Spirit, that God can actually take pain and he can use it for good in our life. And then we talk about a restless soul and how God, um, we, he designed us, the way he made us in our soul is that we need rest, we need space, we need um, simplicity in our lives so that God can do what he wants to do. And so I'm excited to bring you the last message um, in this message series this week called A Sanctified Soul, A Sanctified Soul. Before we get into the message, I want to, as always, just welcome our church in Eureka. Hope Eureka, we love you, we're praying for you, we're excited for what God is doing in the Tobacco Valley, and as always, Hope City, we love you, and we appreciate you guys so much praying for you, believing the best, and then welcoming all those who are joining us online, and those who are going to watch this later. Uh, we believe that God has something specific for you. Uh, one of our core convictions here at church is that every time that we gather, we believe that you're not here by accident. Do you believe that? Even how some of you got here, maybe somebody invited you, uh, maybe you just found us online, you showed up today, maybe you've been coming for a couple times and you kind of, you know, it's cold out this morning, you're thinking about, it'd be nicer just to stay in bed, you know, put on your, your snuggie, you know, your <laughs> little snuggie in your warm slippers or your pajamas and eat some cereal and, and Lucky Charms out of a bowl and watch it online. But you came this morning and, and as wonderful as technology is, and I'm grateful for it, um, the downside sometimes is it could keep us from gathering together. There's something special about being in the presence of God together in the community of believers and what God can do. I, I never wanted to, my wife and I, we've always been church people and it wasn't out of obligation or some kind of religiosity. It was always because I believe that every time we gather, we come before God and when you come before an awesome God like we sang about, 
Anything's possible. And so I, I personally have this conviction that whenever we gather to worship God, anything's possible. When God shows up, anything can happen. And I don't want to miss that. And so I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We believe that God is moving and doing something on your life. And whether you're here physically or online, we believe that God can touch you greatly. Hey, I want to um, just give you a heads up as we kick off the Christmas season this week. How many of you love Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving, not just because of the turkey and the cranberry sauce that comes out of the can, the jelly kind, like the real cranberry sauce. That's the real stuff. That's the good stuff. Praise God. Don't give me the, you know, fancy cranberry sauce with the little, you know, big cranberries in it and orange peels or slices and stuff like that. Just give me the good old fashioned ocean spray out of the gel. I want to see the ridges. If I don't see the ridges from the can on the jelly, then uh, uh, ain't mine. I just get a spoon and just give me some of that. Just eat it. Mm -mm, good. I mean, I love Thanksgiving for all the good food and all that. But one of the things I love most about Thanksgiving is just the day we hit the pause button on our busy lives and we get to be with the people that we love and care about the most and we get to reflect on the goodness of God. And just something about it stirs up our gratitude. It gets our heart positioned, I believe, to see things clearly. Um, when we have a heart of gratitude, you just see things a little bit differently and you see it through a different lens. And so I love that about Thanksgiving. Um, but you know, the world celebrates Thanksgiving a little bit different than we do in the church. And uh, you know, there's a lot of consumerism and you know, Black Friday. So uh, years ago, the Lord put on my heart something to do as a church um, called Red Sunday. And so the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, we have dedicated um, to remind ourselves the real reason why we celebrate the season. And so we call it Red Sunday so that we come, we wear red, and we kick off the holiday season with our focus on why we're celebrating the season. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a Black Friday shopper. I, lo I love shopping and getting the deals. But I'll tell you what, that whole mindset and mentality, and, it, and really there's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit in the world. The Bible calls it a spirit of mammon. And it's a spirit of never enough, more. Got to have more, and the more is going to make me happy. The more is going to fulfill me, but it leaves us empty. There's always got to be something more. That's why also next week we're starting a new message series, a short one, called Enough is Enough. And so um, you're going to get to hear an amazing message, but I want to encourage you, wear red next week, and you're going to hear about our Christmas Giving Hope initiatives which is going to really kind of kick off the season. When the world is thinking about what it can get, we're going to think about what we can give. Amen? Amen. That's what we're here for the church for. So, all right, I'm going to get into today's um, main passage of Scripture. And I've got a lot of Scripture for you that I want to share. And really, today's message uh, is, I'm, I'm challenged to bring it to you because um, not a lot of preachers preach this kind of message anymore. Um, in fact, a lot of them shy away from it because it kind of gets into the deep end of the pool, so to speak. Um, there's some theological aspects of our salvation and the process which God leads us more and more into holiness and to be more and more set apart for him. That if we don't get and we don't understand that process and how it works, then we're going to be frustrated Christians. Like we're going to always see this gap between we know that God has called us to live a life of holiness, and yet we don't feel holy. There's areas in our lives where we've got holes in our holiness, and we wonder why Christianity isn't working for us. In fact, I remember talking to a guy one time, 
And uh, I was talking to him about my faith. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I tried that Christian thing. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? He's like, oh, yeah, I went to church. I read the Bible a little bit. He said, I tried that for a while. It didn't work. I'm like, what do you mean it it didn't work? Like, he said, yeah, you know, I did all the stuff. I went to church. I read the Bible. I did all the, the, the things you're supposed to do. I did the religion. And that was the problem. He did all the religious activity and things, but he never allowed the Spirit of God to get into his soul to change him and transform the way he lived, his desires, his thought life, and, and didn't get purpose out of it. And so I just had a great conversation with him and said, I, I think you didn't do it right. <laughs> and that's why it didn't work. I said, I think you've, you've bought into this brand of Christianity where it's about doing instead of believing. And believing the right things and acting on those beliefs in faith, there's something that happens when we allow and surrender our lives to the Spirit of God where he changes us and he does something called sanctifies our soul. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 puts it like this. This is the great apostle Paul speaking where we get most of our theology. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And, And this word sanctification is a big word, but really, let me put it simply put to you it means to be set apart for a special purpose for God it means to be made holy so sanctification is the process of God setting our soul apart more and more for a special purpose and to become more and more holy in other words we become more and more like Jesus John the Baptist said it I think perfectly one time he said Speaking of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. Now, John the Baptist was talking about his personal ministry, but I think there's an important principle that we need to take away from that, is that as we walk with God, and and this is about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about a a religion, it's about a relationship. That as we engage God in relationship daily, that there's something that happens when we do it the way that God intended He increases his life, his love, his joy, his peace increases in our life, and we decrease. My selfishness, my pride, uh, my lust, all these things, my greed, all these things decrease as the Spirit of God increases in my life. And so Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this, if you could put that up. Stay with me. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace. Look at how he words it. The God of peace. And this is what many of us are lacking in our soul, is peace. And, and here's a big reason why. Because we need to be sanctified in our soul. He said, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. In other words, there's many layers in our soul. Um, oftentimes, people compare sanctification process like peeling away layers of an onion like God makes us holy one layer of our soul at a time as we give him more and more access and surrender more and more of our life to him but but here's what God wants to do he wants to sanctify you in other words he wants to make you holy through and through in other words your whole soul wants he wants it to be holy and that's our problem for many of us it's not And then he goes on to say this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body, your triune being, three parts to you, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
God wants to sanctify us. But here is, I believe, the problem with sanctification. For many of us, and actually, um, as, as I was reading, theologically speaking, there are several different views of sanctification. One of them comes from Wesley, where um, a lot of Methodist theology comes from. But I really like um, Wesleyan theology. There's a lot of good things, I think, about it. But one of the things that Wesley believes, as far as it goes to the sanctification process, how we become holy, is he says that most of us, we become born again. And I believe many of you in the room, you're here because at one point, you surrendered your life to Jesus. And what happened was, the, what the Bible says is that you became born again. In other words, because of sin, your spirit was dead. It, it was dead and lying dormant within you. And when you surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your life and the Spirit of God awakened and birthed or rebirthed your spirit within you and you became alive in Christ. So the Holy Spirit is now at work alive inside of you, which should change things in our life. And for many of us, it did. In the beginning, we were so on fire and so in love with God. And it was like this enlightening. Our eyes were opened and we could read the Bible. We could hear a message spoken from the word of God and something in our, in our lives comes alive. Our souls are awakened to the truth of God and it begins to change us from the inside out. But then as we continue on in this journey of the Christian life, oftentimes what happens is a lot of us, we stall out. In other words, we hit, hit a dry spot. The honeymoon phase is over. All the feelings that came in the beginning, that we were excited, we were on fire for God, those feelings oftentimes can fade and we can dip into the valley of our walk with God. And oftentimes we can get lost in that valley and we could get stuck there. Wesley says that we need to hit a crisis. There needs to be something in our life, in our spiritual life, <clears throat> where we hit a crisis where we realize something is still not right. I need more of God. I still have sinful patterns in my life. I still have strongholds. I still have things that um, from my old life that are weighing me down, that are holding me back from fully experiencing the life that God has for us. The Bible classifies, did you know, Paul actually distinguishes three different types of spiritual life. I'm going to show them to you. First one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says this, the person, now this is the unbeliever. This is somebody who has never um, surrendered their life to Jesus or become a born-again Christian. And for many of you, it, you might be in the room, maybe you're watching online, and you've never, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never had that moment. You're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service. But look what it says about this. And maybe before some of you who have accepted Jesus, you can look back at your life and you can see this at work in your life before you knew Christ. It says the person without the Spirit, listen to this, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. This is why the world looks at what we're doing to say, and so this, this is a waste of time. You guys are a bunch of fools. And, and, and we're looking at them saying, no, you got it wrong. Like, you guys are the foolish ones, but they don't understand it. It says because they cannot understand the things of God. To them, they're only, why? Because they're only discerned through the Spirit of God. In other words, this is why many people struggle with putting their faith in Jesus, because you have to actually take that leap of faith, and the Bible says, choose to believe God at His Word, 
and surrender your life to him and then your spirit comes alive and then you can understand. I believe that God doesn't allow us to understand with our mind first because he wants our heart first. Once he gets your heart and your spirit comes alive inside of you, now you can actually understand the things of God. I experienced this because I tried to read the Bible before I was born again and the spirit of God was alive in me. I couldn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. And I wanted it to. I tried. I'd read the Bible. I'd make myself read the Bible. And I just didn't get it. It didn't make sense until I surrendered my life to Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit uh, awakened my spirit, it was like Paul talks about praying to the church in Ephesus that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. It opens the eyes of our soul so that we can understand the things of God and, and we can understand scripture and it comes alive to us. Now here, here's the other type of person. This is Paul's talking about in the very next verse, 1 Corinthians 2.15. He talks about the spiritual person, the person that's been born again. He says, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. So now you have the ability to actually discern some things in your life and you can have wisdom, the wisdom from God. And now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which brings conviction, which leads you and guides you in your life. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not merely uh, subject to human judgments. So now you have this spiritual discernment in you and the ability to see things that you didn't see before, feel things in your spirit that you didn't feel before. Now, let me show you and contrast you and this is where I think it's dangerous for those of us who believe. The Bible talks about uh, us walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. Now, the, the Bible calls this carnal Christian. You can call, many people call this carnal Christians. This is where a lot of us fall into the valley. We fall into this trap. Let me read it to you. Paul says this, and he's speaking, mind you, to believers in the Corinthian church, and he's trying to bring correction. Much that same correction, I believe we need to course correct in the Big C Church today because we've gotten off track. We've become a little bit too carnal, if you will. He says this, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still what? Worldly, mere infants in Christ. He says, um, he says I gave you milk, not solid food. For you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there, now he is, he is showing us what it means and what it looks like to still be worldly. He says, for since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you, and I love this phrase. Are you not acting like mere humans? <laughs> and I love that because Paul is reminding us, listen, if you have the spirit of God in you, you're not just a human soul anymore. You are a spiritual being. You have the very spirit of God in you. And the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have the life of God in us. The Bible also says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. We have the same power, the resurrection life and power. That, that word um, in the Greek, resurrection, is dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. You have this dynamite power living inside of you. But if we're going to be honest with each other, most of us aren't living life that way. And it's because we have too much carnality. 
The word carnal um, in Latin is the word carne. It's where we get the word meat from. It means basically that we're living too much out of our soul, our unregenerated soul, and our flesh. We're letting our flesh lead us instead of letting the Spirit lead us. Now, some would call this kind of Christianity cultural Christianity. And I'm afraid that for a lot of us, we've come accustomed to, and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. The church, in a lot of ways, hasn't helped because we're afraid to speak messages like this. But I, I got to tell you, if I'm going to be your pastor, and I got to speak the truth in love, and for many of us, including myself, I'm not discounting myself at all because I'm in this process along with you. Every single day, I got to check myself Am I living more out of my flesh and my soul? Or am I living out of the very presence of the living God inside of me and allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, regenerate and sanctify my soul more and more? So here's what happens. For many of us, we have, because we lived out of that place for most of our life, before we became born again, there was a pattern to the way we live life. It's the pattern of the world. It's exactly what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 2. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. See, the world is trying to conform you to its pattern. Now, at the same time, the very spirit of God alive inside of you is trying to change you and transform you. And how that happens is we're transformed, we're changed as we allow our minds to be renewed over time. But too many of us have not engaged in this process or taken it seriously enough. We just think that God is going to somehow zap us and change us. And that's not, God can do that. And let me tell you, I, I will never discount the fact of the power of an encounter with God. God can change us in a minute with an encounter from him. But here's the deal. Even when he does, you still have to walk out that freedom. So there's still a process that we go through with God. But for many of us, we're not engaging or partnering with God in this sanctification process. We're, in other words, we're not allowing and recognizing that we have a part to play with God. That's why um, Paul also said, work out your salvation. He didn't say work for your salvation. There's a huge difference. There, we are saved by grace and by grace alone. There's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. Praise God for that. How many are grateful for that this morning? However, we can engage God in this salvation process. The word salvation, we have become to think that salvation is just this one-time thing where we accept Jesus into our hearts and we're good, we're going to heaven. Yes, that may be true. You're going to heaven, your sins are forgiven, but your soul isn't sanctified. And this is why many of us are struggling in life. We don't have peace. We, joy has escaped us. We wrestle with anxiety. We struggle with depression. We're fighting things of our past. We're struggling with hidden sin. We're, we're wrestling with hidden addictions. And we have these things, patterns in our life that need to be broken. And, and the way that they're broken is little by little over time as we continue to yield to God and stop looking at him as this genie in a bottle this vending machine where he could pray a prayer and out comes you know what we need from God to change us that's how we treat God it reminds me and I know this is a heavy message so I think you need a little little breather here it reminds me of a good old Boudreaux joke how many of you like Cajun jokes y'all like oh no here comes another one okay so Boudreaux was was walking on the beach he went for a little holiday with his wife to the Gulf Coast and uh, he was walking the beach and 
he's walking the beach and he sees this bottle uh, you know that came up on shore on the beach so he picks it up and he he, he brushes the, the mud and sand off it and what do you know out comes Jeannie and and Jeannie comes out and he says you know Boudreaux times have been tough and I can't grant you three wishes anymore but I can grant you one wish so I'm going to give you one wish and, and you make it good okay Boudreaux and he says okay okay let me think for a minute and and he starts thinking about it and, and and he says, he says, okay, I got it. He says, um, he says, well, you take my dog, Lucky, and would you make him come in first in the horse races Friday night? And, and just as then the genie looks behind Boudreaux and he sees this three-legged dog kind of limping along. And he says, is that your dog? And he says, yeah, that's my dog. He says, man, I'm good, but I'm not that good. He said, I don't, I don't think I can make that dog win the race. He says, would you like to make another wish? And Buddha says, oh, yeah, just, just give me a minute. Let me think. And uh, he says, okay, I got it. He says, would you make my wife Marie to be the next Miss Louisiana? And, and right then, the genie, he also looks behind him, and he sees Marie's wife walking along. He says, is that your wife? And he says, yes, sir, it is. And he says, could you bring that dog over again? Let me take a look at that dog. <laughs> Now, it's a funny joke, <laughs> but the reality is, I'm so glad I married up. Thank you, Jesus. That's grateful. That's on my thankful list this coming week. But that's how we treat God oftentimes. We treat him like a genie in the bottle, that if we just put in a prayer, that outcome, God, take this sin away from me. Take this addiction away. And yet, it's good to ask God and to seek God. I'm not saying that. But there's a, a partnership that happens in the process. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, take it seriously. God isn't saying be afraid of the process and be afraid of me. He's saying um, that word fear in the bottom means to honor. It means to like take serious, like, like this is serious business. This work of a sanctified soul is serious business. And I don't think that we're giving it enough attention. I don't think for many of us, we haven't taken the process that God put in place seriously enough. So how are we going to break free of this carnal Christianity that we can so easily fall into? And I think that we need to relearn some things. But the first thing that we need, and I think I, I've, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I believe that this first thing is probably the key to everything. And that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're born again... Our spirit comes alive in us. But we may or may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about, and even Jesus said to his disciples, he says that it's going to be to your advantage that I leave you. Could you imagine Jesus saying that? Why would Jesus say that? Because he understood something. He said this, it's to your advantage that I leave, because if I leave, I'm going to send you the helper. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you have a helper for your life? Do you know you have a personal spiritual assistant called the Holy Spirit living inside of you? The, the Greek word is paraclete. It actually means someone that comes alongside you. You have this person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, working in your life, ready to help you, ready to assist you. It is the spirit of truth, ready to lead you into all the truth of God. It is the spirit of truth that also convicts the world of sin, Jesus said. 
And you know the word, we get afraid of the word conviction. I, I pray every time we gather that I'm convicted, that the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something in my life. If you come to church and you leave and you don't feel any conviction, you might need to check yourself because your heart may have grown cold and hardened to the very Spirit of God. See, and that's the problem for a lot of us is our hearts have grown cold and hard because we have allowed sin to uh, take root in our soul. And over time, if we don't deal with sin and deal with it quickly, what sin will do over time is it will, it will make your heart hard to the Spirit of God. And God will try to move in your life and you could be in a service like this and God is touching people and moving in their life powerfully, but he's not touching you. And it's because your heart is hardened. Jesus spoke into this with the parable of the seed and the sower. He said that I'm always trying to plant seeds of life. My word is trying to take root in, in your heart. Why? Because we need the word of God to go deep within our soul. David said it like this, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So when we have the word deep within our soul, it's like a well that we can draw from when we need it. When we're in temptation, when Jesus was in a dry and thirsty and lonely place in the desert and the devil came to him and tempted him, what did he do? He didn't say, oh, wait a second, let me go look up on you version what this verse is. He pulled it out of his spirit because he actually meditated on the word of God enough and this is a lot of our problem. We don't allow the word of God, We've, we know it here and we might even be able to quote it, but we haven't allowed it to go from here to here. We haven't allowed the word of God to be planted like a seed in the soil of our soul that takes root and brings life and does what God meant it to accomplish in us. And so as we do that and we allow that word of God to bring life to us, it changes us from the inside out. But we have to take time to be able to do that. And we have to take this serious that we're partnering with God daily. So now look what Paul says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Now that word um, opportunity is, is the Greek word kairos. It doesn't just mean there's two words for time, and this word for time is the word kairos. It means that there's a opportune time, like there's a window of opportunity. There's a door of opportunity. That's why you could be um, in, a, in a service like this and you have a moment. God gives us windows of opportunity to say yes and to surrender to him. And, and sometimes when you miss that moment or you resist it, that's, that's, a, that's actually a better word for it. For many of us, we resist what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. And every time you resist the Spirit of God from doing what he wants to do, in other words, at the end of service, he could be telling you to come up for prayer. And because of your pride, you say, no, 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 I'm not going there, not going to do it. And every time you say no to the Holy Spirit, you are, your heart is getting more and more hardened to the things of God. And if you're not careful, over time, you'll lose that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's why we need more and more of the Holy Spirit. The more full of the Holy Spirit you are, the more sensitive you are to the Spirit of God. And the more that the Word of God comes alive to you, you understand it, you can hear God's voice, and then you can act on it, and you can see God do some amazing things in your life. So he says, verse 15, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but making the most of your opportunity because the days are evil. In verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How many of you came to church today and actually wonder, God, what's your will for me in this area? What is it that you want me to do? Do you want me to join this church? Do you want me to uh, leave my job? Do you want me to move? Do you want me to sell my house? What do you want me to do? I don't know what to do in my relationship with my, my spouse. It's struggling. Many of us, we want to know the will of God. And the reason we don't is because we don't have enough of the Spirit of God inside of us. The Spirit of God, and as we allow the Spirit of God to renew our minds, it says, don't be, going back to that Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, the, of your mind. Then you will know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's how we know God's will. And that's why many of us struggle to know God's will. And look what Paul, going back to Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, don't get drunk on wine. Now he's contrasting things that we do in the flesh. Like to feel good and to make our, our souls feel good. And this isn't, you know, a, a theology on drinking as much as it is that for many of us, we're filling our lives up with these things to make our flesh feel good. He says, but that only leads to debauchery. You know what that word means? It means that you, you just live this life that's kind of meaningless. Like you're giving your life to meaningless things and it's not fulfilling. He said, instead, be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Now that word filled, isn't it just a one-time thing? It's a continuous thing. It's a continual thing that we allow the Spirit of God to do. We pray for it. We seek God. We ask Him to continually fill us with His Holy Spirit so that I can continually have more of the life of God that can sanctify more and more of my soul. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit like living water. And for many of us, we are dry, we're thirsty, and we're wondering why we're not seeing more of the things of God come to life in our soul. I, I was reading an interesting article. How many of you ever heard of something called the super bloom? The super bloom. Some of you. Some of you, those of you from California, you heard of the super bloom. Um, because there's a place in California called Death Valley. Now, the reason they call it Death Valley is because nothing is alive there. Like, nothing grows there. Everything, because of the climate, it's in this unique weather uh, pattern, right where Death Valley is in California, where it's either extreme temperatures, it's extremely too hot, 135 degrees, to where even something that grows, it dies right away because of the heat, extreme heat, or um, it's too cold. And so in the night, it gets to extreme cold temperatures, desert cold temperatures, and during the day, it gets too hot. So it has this perfect climate where nothing can grow. Well, I was reading this article about every once in a while, a unique weather pattern will come through and it will downpour rain on Death Valley. And there's something that happens that's really cool. It's called the super bloom. Now, I want to show you a couple of pics. First one is of Death Valley. This is what Death Valley looks like. It's dry, cracked. You see um, nothing growing. It's dead. And there's absolutely nothing alive, nothing growing there. Now, there was like, I forget, 16 inches of something of rain within a couple of days, and all of a sudden it gets this downpour of, of rain, and the rain starts to change something from something that was dead. Now it starts to shift into something that's alive. And things begin to start to bloom, and life began to happen. 
And it went from a little sprout and a little bit of life to now full bloom, what they call a super bloom. And what was dead, once dead, dry, and barren, now is full of life and beauty and colors and fragrance and bees and life are attracted to it. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what happens in our life. Now, I was reading an article in the Smithsonian Magazine about this, and I thought this quote from one of the park rangers that witnessed the super bloom, and it's happened a couple times. Look at what he said. He said this, there are so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, just waiting to grow. And the Spirit of God hit me and said, this is like many of our souls. This is why many of us, we've had prophetic words spoken in our life. God has spoken to us in seasons. We've held on to scriptures. We've underlined them, highlighted in our Bibles. We've written them down in our journals. We've believed in faith for things that God was going to do something. And what we've been waiting for is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our soul because there are seeds of the Word of God and promises that are in your soul right now that have not seen the full bloom yet. And many of us, this is why we get into dry seasons of our life. And the answer is we need more of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to a woman that was dry and thirsty and she was getting her fill from things of this world and in her carnality, and it wasn't fulfilling to her. He said, if you only knew the gift of God, I love that verse, if you only knew the gift of God that was standing for you, you would ask me for living water and I would give it to you. Do you know the Bible says that you have a good father, a good heavenly father, that if you ask for something from him, he's not going to withhold it from you. That if you ask him for more of the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it to you. You have to ask for it. And you have to believe that you need it. And then you have to receive it in faith. And as we receive more and more of the Holy Spirit... Now we can go to what I believe is the next part, which is we need to learn to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. Because when the Spirit of God is inside of us, do you ever see anybody walking a dog? One time I watched this lady, um, she was walking a dog and she had two dogs. One of them was this big old, I don't even know, Mastiff, I think that's what they're called. This huge monstrous dog. I mean, tail wagon that could just like probably break your leg if he wagged too hard. I mean, monster of a dog. And then she had this like little Shih Tzu or something on the other leash. And uh, who do you think was leading her on that walk? <laughs> Let me tell you, it wasn't the Shih Tzu. It was the Mastiff. That massive dog, it was just, it was walking her. She was not walking it. And I think this is the way most of us live our Christian life. We have allowed our flesh, our carnality, um, to become too strong. We fed it, and because we fed it, it's grown stronger than our spirit, and we're led more out of our soul, um, being unsanctified than a sanctified soul, and, and that's our problem. We're led most of the time by our own desires that are in opposition to God's desires for our life. Instead of letting the Spirit of God... now. I don't know if a shih tzu, if you fed it enough, it would ever be strong enough to lead you. So the analogy might not be that great. But really, what's going to lead you is which dog is stronger. And the one that's stronger is the one that you feed the most. It's the one you give your attention to. 
It's when you come to church, you're feeding your spirit. When you open your Bible in the morning and you spend time with God, you're feeding your spirit. You're strengthening your spirit. When you take a scripture, you write it down, you memorize it, you quote it, you remind yourself of it. You're feeding your spirit. When you worship God, when you choose to worship Jesus, you're feeding your spirit. Even though you're worshiping God, there's something that happens. The presence of God is, is, is enveloping you and strengthening your spirit. When you meet in a small group and you have a conversation and you edify each other, you encourage each other, your, your spirit is strengthened. So Paul said it like this in Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Now this is a little bit lengthy, but you got to get this. You guys good? You with me? He says this in Galatians he says that so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us listen to this desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so there you're not free to carry out your good intentions now pause there for a second we have good intentions. We hear a message like this. We leave this place. We say, all right, Pastor Lance, I'm going to let my spirit lead me. Um, I'm going to learn to do that. Those are our good intentions. I'm going to get involved in a small group. I'm going to serve in my church. I'm going to read my Bible. But then you wake up in the morning, and what happens? Your flesh kicks in, and it reminds you, check your phone, check Instagram. No, I don't really feel like doing that. Here's the thing about being led by the spirit. Being led by the spirit is a step of faith. Remember what the Bible says about faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. I know this is deep, but hang with me. Because if you can get this, and you might have to go back and listen to this message again, but I'm telling you, if you get this, it will change your life. God will use it in a powerful way, and you'll start experiencing more and the more of the life of God. Some of those things that are lying dormant inside of you that God deposited will start coming to life. You'll start experiencing more joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, being led by the Holy Spirit is a step of faith. So you might get up in the morning and you don't feel like reading your Bible, but in faith, if you choose to read your Bible believing it's going to feed your spirit, you do it. And this is the problem. We don't see immediate results because we've been conditioned by this world that we need to feel everything. And if you don't feel it, it's not real. Let me tell you, faith always precedes feelings. In faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you're hoping you're going to change, but it's the evidence of things unseen. I don't see the evidence yet, but I'm hoping to see changes in my life. Too many of us give up in the in-between. Remember my friend who said, yeah, I tried Christianity, didn't work? Well, see, you gave up on it too soon and you were doing it wrong. Too many of us, we give up on our faith too easy. We try getting up and reading our Bibles and spending 15 minutes in the Word with God for a week and we don't see a lot of change, so we give up on it. Just like some of us, we, if you go to the gym for 30 days and you look the same in the mirror and you don't feel that much different so you give up on it but there's a latency effect to faith because we sow into things without seeing the fruit of them yet that's why the bible talks about um, that you reap what you sow eventually the things that you're sowing into your spirit are going to catch up to you and you're going to start seeing evidence and here's the cool part 
And most scholars believe that it takes 30 to 45 days to actually change a habit or to, to be able to change. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing your mind. If you give up on something too soon, that thing never had a chance to do its work inside of us so that we see the evidence of the change that we're hoping for. Did you get that? You got to stick with it in faith, believing. Because verse 8 says this, um, 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires, now Paul is contrasting what happens when you follow the Spirit of God versus when you uh, follow the Spirit or your sinful nature, sorry. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Look what it is. And you see this in our lives. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Anybody relate to struggling with things like that? It's a good tell that we're following our flesh more than we are the Spirit of God. Let me tell you again, Paul says, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that you won't go to heaven. Necessarily. I'm not God. I can't answer that for you. I'm not going to try to. I think sometimes as preachers and pastors, we try to tell you what God is thinking or what he does. There's some things we know. There's some things we don't know. I don't know your heart. God knows your heart. And someday all of us are going to stand before God and we're going to be judged. But what I, how I interpret that scripture is that there are inheritances that we as the children of God have here on earth, promises of God that we will never see the fulfillment of if we continue to walk out in our sinful nature. How many of you want to see the promises of God and the inheritance as a full son and daughter that you have in Christ fulfilled in your life? then we need to get this. Now watch what he says. But when we follow and learn to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives, this is what the Holy Spirit produces. The kind of fruit in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. Look what he says. He closes it out, these last two verses, 24, 25. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in what? In some of our lives? When we go to church? When we go to small group? But not when I go to work? No. In every part of our lives. What? How could your life look different? How could your marriage look different? How could your friendships look different? How could your career look different? Your workplace, your school look different? If Every day you did this simple. So now let me make it real simple for you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and obey it. That's it. It's not that complicated. It's God, what are you telling me to do right now? See, Jesus said, take up your cross daily. That means right now in this moment, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let me just pull down a lie for you right now that God doesn't speak to you. Some of you immediately say, well, I don't hear God. Or how do I hear God? God doesn't speak to me. Let me tell you something. God can speak to you as clearly as he can speak to me. It is a lie from the pit of hell, anything different. If you have the spirit of the living God in you, you can hear God's voice 
And so it's just training yourself to listen to God's voice. And how you do that throughout your day when you get up in the morning. God, what are you speaking to me today? What do you want me to do today? And obeying that. I was reminded of, of just how powerful this is. A couple of testimonies from our, our prayer ministry team, which we're going to offer you here in just a few minutes as we close. But even last week, somebody came up for prayer. They were really struggling with some things that were going on at work. Felt just not good. Felt weighed down, burdened, came up for prayer. And the Spirit of God, because somebody was listening to what the Holy Spirit was saying, spoke right into their situation without even knowing it. Said, I, I believe that you, um, you are a Daniel in your workplace and that God is going to give you wisdom on how to do what you do in a better way that doesn't weigh on you. The other person praying for them, they, they said, I, I really sense that there's an oppression over you. And she witnessed to that and said, can we pray for that? And they prayed for it. She said, it was like something broke. She said that week, her principal even came in and observed her class. And, and she got this like A plus for her class. And she said, there was something different, something shifted. The atmosphere of her soul and in the classroom was just different. And she could feel this peace in her soul that she didn't have before. All because somebody listened and they obeyed what God was telling me. I heard another story, just so you know, this doesn't just happen inside the church. Somebody last week, they went into a coffee shop to get a coffee. And they were sitting there and there was this uh, young lady with a laptop and the Spirit of God said to this person, I want you to go and speak to her. And he did. He went over and he obeyed and he heard the Holy Spirit say, tell her that um, her life is about to do a 180 degree turn. And that God is about to prosper her and bless her in what she's putting her hand to. And that she could have confidence in that. And she got all emotional. She said, you know what? I wasn't supposed to be here this morning, but something inside of me told me, the Holy Spirit, that I was supposed to come to City Brew. And I wasn't even sure why. And she said, you know what's even crazier? There was a lady who came in to get coffee before you and she told me the exact same thing. 15 minutes before he did. Talk about God confirming what he'd spoken to her and in his word, all because somebody listened and obeyed. You know what? I'm so grateful. I'm standing here today because somebody listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obeyed. I had an aunt. Thank you, Aunt Rita, for listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and taking me in as a 19-year-old messed up kid that you took a chance on inviting you into your home and then you invited me to come to church and I'm grateful that I had just enough the spirit of God saying urging me to go and I went that night and I was sitting in that service at the end of service just like right now and the pastor called forward those who wanted to receive Christ and everything in me my pride was keeping me in that seat I was not going up there even though I felt the Spirit of God so much pulling me and I was resisting it. And I thank God that my aunt's friend, Genevieve, was sitting next to me and she listened to the voice of God and obeyed. She turned to me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. She turned to me, looked me dead in the eye like she could read my thoughts and she said, go on. Before I even knew it, I was up out of my seat. I was walking to the front. And I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. 
When the Spirit of God came into my life, things that I was trying to fix about myself before in my own strength, in my own willpower, that wasn't working. Now all of a sudden, God was moving in my life. The Bible came alive to me. I remember sitting in my aunt's bathroom with the light on at one o'clock in the morning, reading the Bible because I couldn't get enough of it. Because all of a sudden, it was like my eyes were open. I understood it. It was life to me. Everything was making sense. And some of us were here this morning, and life just hasn't made sense. You're striving, you're struggling, you're trying to do this Christian life, but you're trying to do it in your own strength and your own power. And what you really need, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need to learn to be led by that Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify your soul little by little as you get into the Word of God and let your mind be changed and renewed by God's truth, replace lies that you believed about yourself and about God, about things that have happened in your life with the truth of God. It doesn't just happen. It begins when we just surrender once again our lives to God. And so as we close, I just want you to close your eyes right now. The presence of God is here. And this is where it begins where we surrender our soul over and over and continually to Jesus. And as we surrender our soul to him, God gives us more and more of his spirit. And so right now, I just want you to just put out your hands, like posture yourself in a place of receiving. Father, right now, I pray for every single person here. God, I pray that you would touch them and meet them right where they're at. We invite you, Holy Spirit, as we surrender more of our soul to you. God, we ask that you forgive us. Come on, let this be the prayer of your heart this morning. God, forgive us from withholding pieces of our soul from you. Today, we choose, right now in this moment, we choose to surrender it fully to you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would now come Fill every part with more and more of your Holy Spirit, more and more of your presence. For some of us, that means the decision today that you've never made to surrender your life to Christ and become a born-again believer of Jesus where your spirit comes alive, your sins are paid for because of what Jesus did on the cross. If that's you and you want to receive that life that Jesus paid the price to give you, just raise your hand, just slip it up. Say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. God bless you. Back there, thank you for your courage. Anyone else? If you raised your hand, I want you to come up at the end of service and pray with somebody and agree in prayer. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and we confess with our mouth, then we shall be saved. For the rest of us, I just want us as we close, the worship team's going to lead us in this final song. I want you to sing this. Let it go deep inside you. Let this be the prayer of our heart this morning that God, Holy Spirit, lead us as we surrender to you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.